I want to invite you to pull out your um, sermon notes this morning from your from your bulletin. We celebrate bald men at this church, so there's a bald guy on the front of your bulletin this morning. So um, if you're going bald or bald already, we salute you. <clears throat> well, we had a, a new round, kind of a fresh round of community groups get started this last weekend and uh, this last week, really, and, and uh I'm kind of um, I'm in one, but kind of co-leading one, sharing with the uh, Burge family who's felt a burden for uh, for uh, just people's finances and kind of where people are at with that. And we learned something this week from our community group, and it was this: that there are certain ideals that people hold to that everyone talks about as a really good idea, but few people put it into practice. And the example that they gave was savings, right? Saving money. You talk to most people, most people would say saving money is a really, really good idea. And yet, statistically, if you look at the number of people who actually save money, it's a whole lot smaller than people who save, who, who, who say that saving money is a good idea. I won't ask for a raise of hands, but I, I would venture to guess if we were really honest, and church ought to be the most honest place we are all week, right? That if I said, how many of you have thought or said saving is a good idea, I would venture to guess most everyone's hand would shoot up. Now, if we could just somehow flash on this screen how much money you right now, today, have saved up and how long that could get you if things dried up tomorrow, there would be some kind of discrepancy between the hands that say they have enough or have any versus those who say it's a good idea. Here's the point. James 1.22, the Bible speaks about this kind of thinking and talking. James 1.22 says this, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Now, this is not a sermon about money. This is not even a, a, a sermon about savings or anything like that. It's actually an encouragement. Here's my encouragement. Last weekend, we had kind of a now boarding campaign for community groups, right? And, um, and there, was just, there was just every opportunity in the world to join and get plugged into a community group. And I just want to say kudos to this congregation I went away so excited from last um, Sunday, and so did Greg, kind of the head of our community group's uh, area, if you will, um, because there were a lot of first-timers that, that took the plunge into community groups for the very first time. Not only that, there were also some new community group leaders, and that's just super exciting as well for us. Now, um, if you've been around us for a little while, you, um, you may remember or you may understand why I'm bringing some cups up here. One is that you know I enjoy coffee, but that's not really the reason at all. Um, here's the reason. We have talked uh, at length, and this is, this is where we're at um, right now in this kind of series. It's this idea at this church that we really believe that um, discipleship with Christ is easily understood. It's understood by children, and it really can be whittled down into some very simple elements that, that we look at and talk about. And um, we've tried to program this church even around some very simple common elements that are super easy to understand words that make sense to most people. These Starbucks cups represent a couple of things. Uh, we believe that every, every disciple um, is to be in worship, and that's just ever-growing. You, you, you never stop growing in worship, but worship carries with it this idea that Gurria was just talking about, that you're in a right relationship with God. And we find that, that's what we just celebrate. That's why it's such great news. We find that in the cross. We find that in the work that Christ accomplished on the cross. 
And our program for that is our worship services. It's what we're doing right now. And this is true of, of American churches. I don't know about worldwide, but this is true at, at, in America, is that you will find the largest number of people in a worship service, kind of in this sort of a program. We believe, though, that it's not just me and God. It's not just about me growing deep with God. The Bible calls us, we cannot live biblical Christianity and be solo. We talked about this last week. How many of the one another's can you practice that are mentioned in Scripture, and there's a ton of them, how many of those can you practice by yourself? By definition, zero. Even if you have a split personality, it still doesn't work. You have to have other people around you. The Bible calls us to community. The Bible calls us and challenges us. We call them community groups. Community groups may be a program that passes away in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, whatever. Community is an eternal value that will never, ever go away. It's in the Bible, and it's not going anywhere. So the value is community. But we want to take people and move them from just being collectively gathered here in a worship service to really being known and really being doing life together. That's what last week was all about. Now, this third week that we're on right now, is, is what we're going to talk about. And we believe that, that it's not just enough for us to get together and have warm and fuzzy Bible studies and keep growing deep. There's a mission, there's a purpose of why God draws us together anyways. Here are some of the words that we are committed to as a church that we're going to discuss this morning. Service. Living a life of service. Living a life of sacrifice. Good works. Here's a churchy word for you. Evangelism. In short, that's just simply sharing the good news. It's sharing this message that we're talking about. Here's what we've done. We've taken kind of a lot of those really big concepts and we've whittled it down to just one simple word, share. And this morning, we're talking about this word, share. And I think that this is true. I think that if you take the average American church, and we probably follow suit to this, that you have a lot of people that come to worship service, you have a little bit less... Statistically, it's more like 30% of people in a church are really in some kind of community life group, small group, home group, whatever you might call it. But it breaks the big down into the smaller. And then I think this is true, that as you, as you move around kind of our play button and you get to the word share and sacrifice and giving and evangelism, that the number of people that are in community groups, it actually drops even less. That there's the fewest amount of people that are really doing kind of, kind of all three of these things. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the word share and what that looks like and how God wants us to do it. I think this is one of those good ideas that we would all give lip service to and say it's a really good thing, but fewer of us put it into practice than speak about it. I don't know that I've ever heard a parent ever say to their child, just chewing them out, don't you ever share. Young man, do you hear me? You are, no, no sharing. You know our family rule. I've never, ever heard that. In fact, most often, I think it, it, it blesses a parent's heart. It, it's encouraging to them when they share. I've always seen praise given to kids who share. And yet it's one of those things I think that we can, we can do comfortably, but, but not sacrificially. And we're going to kind of look at that. And we're going to kind of let the Bible expose our own hearts to this and, and see kind of where we, we are, are at with these things. This tall cup right here is a part of the normal Christian life. Here's the point. You can't be a Christian according to the Bible and say, man, I've got it wired. Me and God are totally good. I, not only do I attend faithfully, I lead a community group and I provide cookies twice a month. Here's what God would say. That is fantastic. Take the next step. So 
what we look at sometimes, we look at this as super Christian. We go, that's someone who's, that's someone who's walked with the Lord a long time. That's someone who's on the mission field. They've had training at college for this. Wrong. This is the normal Christian life. This is biblical Christianity. We talked about this. You remove any one of these, it gets really, really weird. You do any one of these in isolation, it's totally not biblical Christianity. They, they require all three working in conjunction. The father's heart to share is as old as time. Think about this. If you were to just go read um, the, the laws, okay, this is, this is where most people in their Bible reading program for the year get really, really bogged down, right? You start reading parts of the Old Testament. You're like, didn't I just read this? Oh, that was a different sacrifice. And all these rules and regulations and things. And you're like, God, how does this how does this help me with the guy in the cubicle next to me and his questions about origins or whatever? And you just get bogged down with it. But here's, here's one of the big themes I want you to think about. As you're reading through the Bible, as you're reading through the Old Testament, here's what you will find. You will find that God prescribed from the foundation, from the very start of his people, that sharing will happen. He mandates it. He says that you will provide and care for the foreigner among you. You will provide for widows and for those who can't do things on their own. He, he writes it into the law as a requirement. Here's a clue to that. There are things right now that are a rule in our house. The reason they're a rule in my house is because we're in charge. We pay the bills. We provide the food. We're the parents. That's how it goes in the Carlson home. But our desire really is this. Our desire is that these mandates would one day transfer into something intrinsic that's going on inside that they just go, man, I just do this because this is what I was trained to do. This is the right thing to do. And when they leave home, they will no longer be under our rule and our jurisdiction that says you have to do it this way. God wrote into the law rules about sharing, mandating that we will share. Because he knew we won't do it on our own. It doesn't come natural to take what I have and offer it up to someone who has none. It comes natural to observe that someone has none. But then we say, poor sap, they have none. Maybe we'll give a tiny bit off the very, very top. But it's mandated and it's written in there because he knows we wouldn't do it. The law at one point was called a schoolmaster or a teacher. It's there to kind of instruct us along the way. And there's still powerful use for it today. How did Jesus sum up what it meant to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow you, Christ? We want to know. Here's what he says. He says, all of the prophets, the entire law, remember? It's summed up in two really simple statements. Love God first. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think loving your neighbor as yourself has something to do with the word share? I think so. And that's why that word's so simple. Evangelism sounds weird to Christians and scary to Christians and scary to your neighbor. The word share is easily understood by everyone. We understand this. That's why we went with that word. Here's kind of one of the huge ideas. I want you to write this down. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in your notes. It says this. You have been created for good works. You have been created for good works works. I think sometimes we've heard the message or maybe even preached the message for so long that Christianity is not about good works and not about doing good. And don't get that wrong. It's about my relationship with God. Is that true or false? Yeah, sort of true, sort of not. 
If you're talking about salvation, it's not true at all. It's totally by God so that no man or woman or child can boast that they added anything to the work of Christ. But were we created for good works? Absolutely. Here's a powerful idea for you. Say your name out loud and say, Dave was created for good works this week. What if you woke up every morning in the next seven days, you just said your own name and you insert it there and said, Rick is created for good works. Nicole is created for good works. That's a powerful idea, isn't it? That's a, that's a huge idea. It sets a tone, sort of, for what the day's about and what we're to, to walk in. Sharing is viewed as optional or bonus if you don't understand your identity. Let me say that again. Sharing, this whole idea, this whole idea, sharing is viewed as optional or as, as kind of a bonus if you don't understand your identity. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 talks to us a little bit about our identity. What does it mean to be found in Christ? Here's two kind of key ideas. Let a man regard us, talking about Christians, the church, in this manner, as servants of Christ, there's one, and stewards of the mystery of God. You were created for good works, and unless you understand your identity, you will view, you will view this as super Christian mode. Maybe in 20 years when I get there, I'll start serving and being sacrificial like other people are. But the, but the Bible teaches that once you're found in Christ, here's at least two identifiers of, of who you are now. Not who you one day will be. And we could talk about a bunch more. Jesus talked about being salt and being light, right? It doesn't say attain to be salt, try to be light. It says you are. You are these things. You are this morning a servant, Jesus showed us plainly what this looks like. Jesus came to serve and not be served. And they said, quite simply, go and do likewise. We're going to talk about this whole idea of servanthood on our next lap. We're kind of doing the play button by laps, and this is lap one. And in a few weeks, we'll hit share again. We're going to unpack the whole idea of what it means to be a servant and what that looks like. This morning, I want to talk about this area of stewardship. You are not only a servant, you are also a steward. Here's the, here's the idea. You were given gifts to accomplish those good works that God called you to. God called you to good works, and he's provided you gifts to help accomplish those. Let me rattle off just a couple. Intelligence, wealth, experiences, time, relationships, influence. You have been given gifts to accomplish those works. Now, steward is a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe an older word, or we don't think about it a whole bunch, but here's just kind of a snapshot picture of what, what I tend to think of when I think of the word steward. I was a bank teller for, I don't know, six or seven years, and it helped put me through college and some other things, and um, my job was to stand there and to take people's money and to put it in a drawer, to type into a computer, and hand them a receipt, or to receive a little piece of paper Look at the amount, type in the computer, take money, and give it to them. Here's the idea of a steward. Whose money was it all along? Not mine, right? It was never my money. When someone came and made a deposit for $10,000 in cash, I did not get super excited about that. I didn't. I was like, cool. This money kind of smells. If anything, you know, I just did my job. It wasn't super exciting. Let's just run a test. One of you after church 
just approach me and hand me $10,000 in cash. And say, here. And just test me on this. See if I respond a little bit differently. My hunch is I would. Here's, here's why. I understood quite clearly. This is not my money. I'm a steward of this money. You're going to hand me this money. I'm going to put it in the till. The bank doesn't really even own the money. It's still their money. If they come to withdraw it and the bank says, uh, sorry, we thought you had given that to us. We used it. We'll get back to you. That's a problem, right? The bank is really stewarding that money. They're, they're hanging on to it. They're using it. They're appropriating it where it should go. But the second it's asked for back, it's really clear whose it is. I never once thought of dipping in to this money. I never once thought, you know what? I'm a little short on lunch money this week. I've got some, some bills coming up. I've got books to pay for. I'm a college student. That's a good purpose. That's a good thing. I never once thought of grabbing 20 bucks out of the till to go pay for my books. File that away for a second. Handling well what God gives us is a primary way that God is honored. Handling well all these good gifts, which James talks about saying every single good gift comes down from the Father above. So that means I'm standing upright today. I've got ten fingers that move and eyes that blink involuntarily and a heart that's pumping pretty good right now. That's all a gift. I didn't make myself do this. I'm, I'm really dependent on God to be standing here. I may not make it through this, this message this morning. But what I have right now is a gift. And, and, and everything that's been given to me, one of the main ways I can praise God isn't by being perfectly, tonally, vocally excellent with my singing or that my guitar playing is just right on spot, or that my speaking is so eloquent that it just gives him honor and praise. Rather, it's to say, God, these gifts that you've given to me, I want to honor you well by managing them well, by stewarding them really, really well. And lest any of you were unclear, I am not talking about money. So many times I think we hear stewardship and we go, well, God's just not blessed me to be rich, so that doesn't apply to me. There is intelligence and drive and aspiration and emotional sensitivity and creativity and things in this room that, I mean, if we could see who we are and who God created us to be, it would blow the roof off. Those are gifts. How are we managing them? How are we using them for the kingdom? So what are we to steward? That's kind of the next question here. Psalm 139 is a great song. And if you haven't read it, go home and read Psalm 139, Psalm 139 sometime this week. Psalm 139 is in agreement with Ephesians 2.10. That we are uniquely made and uniquely created and not an accident. Here's the first thing that we're to steward. We're to steward ourself. The idea is that you and I were designed on purpose. It's not fate, chance, luck, or coincidence. God thought of you. And wants you alive. Now to some in this room, you go, duh, thanks for stating the obvious. There's others in this room, though, that at one time in their life or this morning, they go, man, if that's really true, I'm going to cling to that with all that I am. Because I sure don't feel that this morning. My life hasn't borne out in such a way that I really know that deeply in my soul. Man, my heart goes out to you. I think that's one of the huge ideas God would want to impress upon all of his creation. I created you. 
on purpose. I want you alive. Man, that's a huge idea. Think about the fact that God prescribed your personality. I know some of you. You're quirky people. God designed you that way. Some of you say, well, I'm kind of plain. God designed you that way. Some of us in this room are rambunctious. God designed us that way. Some of you are silent. God designed you that way. God took your personality. He said, I'm going to design this person just this way. I'm going to custom make them in this way. How about your body? God designed your body. He deliberately chose your race, your height, your curves or lack thereof, your hair or lack thereof, and the shape of your toenails. I mean, think about it. Your body was designed by God. It was created that way. And so every time that you look in the mirror and you slam yourself, Because God's given you curly hair or straight hair or this color hair or no hair. You're you're, you're questioning the Creator. Now take that and start slamming other people with your tongue. Now you're using a God-given part of your body to tear down what He's created and made beautiful. Man, that's powerful. God created your talents. Develop and use what he's given rather than wasting energy on who or what you aren't. Isn't it true that we spend so much time comparing? This was true in my household. I had three brothers. And again, Christmas comes, you're opening your gift, you hear other wrapping, and you're doing this. You're opening, but you want to measure up better than them. Good. We're good. Or the second you open it up, you feel deflated because you didn't get that color. We all laugh, but that's a little bit true in us. And we see the gifts and talents of someone else, and we say this, if only I was like that. And then I'd be so confident to share. Then I would understand what it means, and on and on we go. And I'd say this, that's sin, and it's a waste of energy. Quit doing that and celebrate what God's given you. We could go on and on with this. When you were born, how long you're going to live, where you were born, it's not arbitrary. It's all for a purpose. And I know some of you may be saying, man, you don't understand my roots. You don't understand how far I've come to get away from that situation. You can't honestly expect me to believe that God had that designed. I read this line this week and it rocked my world. It said this, while there may be illegitimate parents, there are no illegitimate children. Here's what it means for you. Your life has deeper and bigger meaning than you can possibly dream or or, or imagine right now. And that's a gift. That's a total gift to have that in your back pocket and to understand that. I love this Danish proverb that I read this week. What you are is God's gift to you. What you do with yourself is your gift to God. Can we agree to quit comparing and quit spending time on who we aren't, and get busy being who God designed us to be? Man, that's huge. Here's the second thing. You're to steward the gifts that you've received. There's all kinds of different gifts, but we'll start with spiritual gifts. I'm not going to talk a lot about this this morning because that's not what it's about, but I'll say this. We all have gifts as children of God, and they differ. Okay? Everyone in the room has spiritual gifts. The moment you're a part of the body of Christ, the moment you're found to be in Christ and you're now to be a steward of those gifts, you are given spiritual gifts. 
And the second thing is they differ. Spiritual gifts is a divisive kind of topic because the gifts differ. And somehow God's made some of us to where if they're not exactly like us, we have a very hard time getting outside of ourselves and understanding someone else and how they may benefit. If all we do is hang out with kneecaps, we don't understand eyebrows at all. We go, they're just different. Instead of celebrating that, we tend to argue sometimes. Here's what I'll say in short. How do you discover what you're gifted at? What are you good at? Now, there's spiritual gifts tests, personality tests, whole weekends you could do. You could pay tons of money to people to find that out. Or, that's so American, isn't it? Let's do a conference. Or, you could experiment. Here's what I mean by that. Go get involved in a ministry. I'll tell you what I do when someone was involved in youth ministry and they weren't very good. I'd say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. You stink at youth ministry. But as I've walked with you and as I love you, you know what you'd be great at? Let me grab you by the hand and introduce you over here to someone else. I remember this girl who came in and, and she tried to be a junior high youth worker. And we both saw, I built into my process a one-month checkup. We both saw after one month, this was not a good fit for her, for the kids, for me, or her blood pressure. She went on to become... Um, our, our children's intern at that church, a very large children's program. Because when she tried on children's ministry, it was like putting on a glove. It's like, oh, that's what I was made for. You know what's cool? I love being a part of that story. I had her for a month. And what I got to do is just be part of that process to say, nope, over here. And God just, and God just showed what she was sort of by starting in what she wasn't. Would you experiment and get going in, into things? I don't know if I'm an evangelist. Start sharing Christ with people. I don't know if I'm, very, if I'm a very good servant. Start serving people. I don't think I'm a very good listener. Try listening to people. Now, here's the catch on some of those. If you're not a good listener, does that mean you stop trying at that? Absolutely not. But there are certain skill sets. Chi drew up. We had some problems with this little baby, this little wireless mic. My thing was like, I don't know, it's broken, it's not working. A few days later, I get an email because Chi in the back has drawn up schematics and done like a 14-page manual of things, and, he's, and here's what he's done. He's got this design figured out, and he's got this super mega thing because my thing bends it, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All I know is it works now. Give it up for Chi right now. You know what you don't want? You don't want me back there trying to do cheese job. It'd just be a mess. I'll just talk louder because it wouldn't work, right? But there are certain people that have just been gifted in certain ways. And it's just an amazing thing when you see this all kind of come together and just fit. Not only does God want you to use the gifts he's given you to honor him, he also longs for us to give. And, and, and the way Jesus gave was, was radically and sacrificially. The, what, what Jesus honored was sacrificial kinds of giving. So here's the other thing. I could word this a lot of different ways, but spiritual and physical are just kind of two big lump categories that we can go with. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Each one. This isn't reserved for community group leaders, super Christians, or whatever else. Each one should take what he's received and use it to serve 
others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. What's the biggest thing you want in a bank teller, in a steward? You want faithfulness. You know why I was a bank teller for six or seven years? Because I never dipped in and got the money out for my books. I guarantee you, in six or seven years, I saw some employees go through there that tried that game. Banks have thought of this. They're on to you. That's what you want in a steward. You want them to be faithful. Do you want them to be a rock star and super talented? Of course not. You want them to be faithful. Do you want them to get full of themselves and think it's theirs? Actually, that's exactly opposite of what you want. You want your steward to be faithful. God, I've been serving faithfully in this ministry for year after year after year after year after year. I don't receive much outward praise. No one knows much about what's going on. But I will receive my pay. I will receive my worth, understanding that you are glorified by the fact that I've been here year after year after year after year. Remember we talked about community. What's, what it takes to get into deep community is longevity and commitment and faithfulness and getting past the polite phase. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Done. There's a sense that we begin to grow as we're faithfully doing these things. What are the various forms or what are the various gifts? Again, strength, health, time, money. Gifts that have been given to you to serve others. I want you to imagine for a moment, we all know the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Now just imagine for a moment if, if we're on that hillside and we witnessed a little different picture. Let's say that as Jesus hands the bread to them and the, the fish from this boy's lunch, let's just see those disciples that receive that from Jesus and they're just deeply grateful. They say, Jesus, thank you so much for this bread. We were so hungry. And they just start chowing down on the bread and eating the fish. Now, mind you, they are sincerely and deeply grateful And they just are pouring back praise to God for the outpouring of blessing. Jesus continues to give. He breaks off more bread and hands it to them and and more fish. And they're just overwhelmed. In fact, they write a song called Overwhelmed. And they start singing about the goodness of God. And and once they've eaten their field, they're so full that they... They just they, they start storing it and they start putting it in place. They say, we get it, God. You love us. We totally understand. Thank you. And God keeps on giving it. Jesus keeps on giving them bread. And they store up more and more. And, and, and they're so overwhelmed with gratitude. They're so thankful for this food that God's given to them that they actually start to have services. And, and, and they, they create dramas to portray God's goodness and blessing to them. And they're performing it for thousands of people who are around. And then they start to preach and and share absolute truth, which is that God is good and blesses those who are hungry. And And they're teaching and they're sharing and they're proclaiming of God's goodness, all the while storing up more and more and more. And if the, if the scene in your mind could pan over, you'd see Jesus weeping at this point. That's not the way the story unfolds, is it? But as I read that story and I think about the American church, maybe the church worldwide, I don't know, I wonder if some of that parable would be shaded with some of those kinds of themes. 
God, forgive us for receiving and being faithful to say thank you, but storing it up and not giving it away, not sharing. I want to invite Phil up right now. Phil Nemec's a part of our what we call the GO team, and GO just stands for Global Outreach. One of the things we knew about this church was that if we didn't intentionally start at the very beginning with an outward focus, share mentality, we know from our own hearts that we're struggling with and our churches in general that we tend to turn inward. And one of the things we did, come on up, Phil, is we didn't blur the line too much between what's kind of local outreach and what's global outreach. But we also understood this. If we don't intentionally think about the world, it will not come across our minds to just go out and and go the way Jesus mandated. So I've asked Phil to come up, and he's going to share a little bit about what the Go team's about and some other things that are going on. And I am. So, yes, Global Outreach Go. We have a really uh, inventive name. (laughs) But, uh, But that's pretty much just a team of people that are really passionate about a little bit of planning, I guess. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that God really has a heart for. What we as a team try to do is figure out how to get other people passionate about what God's passionate about. That's not limited to any one thing. The things we focus most on are the people that are around the corner. Right? You don't have to go very far. Uh, and how far can you go? Well, wherever the furthest part on the earth, you know what? God cares for those people too. Uh, and as a visual aid, I'm going to have you guys do a little standing up exercise. So let me start with everybody. Just stand up. This is something I find helpful. Hopefully you guys will put up with me. This, uh, yeah. So to start with, there's a lot of people in the world. Seven billion in a little while. Now it's 6.7. I don't know. Billions doesn't mean much to me. I wasn't a bank teller. Millions doesn't really mean much to me either. But uh, I can slice it into percentages. So we've got a whole bunch of people here. We're going to sit down by a few sections. So the first, uh, let's say, three rows in the in the very back, why don't you guys have a seat? So that's China or so. There's a lot of people there. Then the next three rows, actually, you know what? We'll have you guys stay standing. That's India, approximately. Uh, the two rows in the front, how about you guys you have, go ahead and have a seat? So that's Africa. There's a lot of other people in Asia and a lot of other people in this place. You guys there? You guys there? That's the U.S. You can have a seat, too. So the U.S. is uh, relatively small. Uh, then the rest of you guys there, you know, there's Australia. There's a lot of islands and South America, stuff like that. Go ahead and have a seat. So we'll look at just the, the people that are standing here. This is approximately representative of India. So all the people here, you may know some of them. Did you know that each one of these people speaks 100 languages? Well, not really. There's 100 people in India for every one of them that speak a different language or at least there's different languages. Uh, and as a matter of fact, there's actually in the range of 300 kind of separate groups of people. So even if you speak the same language as someone, if you, say, are at war with them or at least are a very different uh, class, there are some places that are a uh, strong caste system. India is, is a good example of that. There's, a, there's kind of a, a burden. Not only do you need to talk to someone, you guys can have a seat. I'll have you stand up again in a minute. Uh, but remember... Each of those people represents 100, 100 people. So, you know, this whole room, you know, one of those. Uh, there's, there's folks that are less likely to hear the, hear the good news that we're here to celebrate. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's something that God really cares about. He wants everyone to know. So, what's happening? Well, as a matter of fact, 
there's there's uh some there is some good news. Uh, there have been a lot of people over the years, say since about Jesus' time, that have shared the good news of what Jesus said. Even before that, uh, they've talked about what do what are all the laws there for? They're there to help point us to God to share. Well, people are sharing. So everybody can stand up again. If you if you speak a different language from someone, it makes it harder to to share good news. If you aren't willing to talk to each other about anything else, probably not so much. So this time, uh, you guys, just this whole side, go ahead and have a seat. So in 1974, half of the world's population lived in an unreached group. That means that there's no Bible in their language, there's no church in their language, uh, there's probably not even someone in their kind of circle of people. You know, maybe that's a state, maybe that's a county, who knows? Uh, maybe it's a, a level of economic status, right? If you're really poor. You m- you're maybe less likely to listen to someone who's really rich that lives down the street. Not impossible, but less likely. So then the first three rows go and have a seat. In the last, say, 30 years, that group of people has become reached. Uh, that's great progress. It used to be, you know, like further back, right, you know, the, the whole place. There's, there's a few people. There's a few more, few more people. There's a lot of people working on reaching out to the world. Okay, the rest of you guys can have a seat. Thank you very much. Uh, this helps me kind of get a picture of, of uh, both the scale of things. There are a lot of places in the world that are very different from what's like for me. Uh, as it turns out, there's there's a lot of people in the world that don't speak the same language as me. I don't speak 100 languages. We're close. But uh, the Go team, uh, there's a, a group of people that think about kind of strategy, a little longer-term focus. If that sounds interesting to you, you should come talk to us. Uh, but you know what? If that doesn't sound interesting to you, if that actually sounds maybe scary to you, that's okay. That's not what God's told you to do. But what has God told you to do? That, that's what we want to help out with. So uh, different ways to help. There are there are people both within this area close by. Uh, the really, really close stuff, you know, you'd like to hear, you know, in the congregation, those are needs to be met. That's the community stuff we talked about last week. That's really important. There's some needs around, say, in the area, in the county, that uh, maybe financial, maybe somebody needs their lawn mowed, maybe somebody needs their car fixed, and maybe somebody needs a ride to the doctor. There's this great organization we as a church are involved with and uh, help financially called Love, Inc. That's a way to show God's love to people around. You don't have to go far. You don't have to go often. Maybe you only help somebody once a year. That's still... That's still uh, stepping up, which we appreciate. Uh, there's also some activities that uh, that we've been involved with as a church in the past. Uh, there's little flyers around. Uh, we'll talk to you about these later. But Christmas time, there's uh, some boxes for kids in other countries. That's something that our kids really get into. We've got uh, a little more info on that if you need. Collecting uh, warm clothes and blankets for the homeless. You don't have to go far to find somebody that needs a blanket when it's cold. If uh, connecting with someone in the form of Christmas presents, like, hey, I can buy a goat, or we can chip in and buy a goat for a village that provides food, that provides potential uh, income, stuff like that. It's kind of fun. Uh, Our kids get into that, too. Uh, There's a lot of resources like that available. If there's uh, the kind of thing that speaks to you is helping care for other people, you know what? There are people around the world and around the U.S. called missionaries, pastors, things like that. 
how can we care for them? There's a whole a whole set of people that need to be cared for uh, that are serving, and sometimes you know it's a little it's a little frustrating or a little uh, lonely uh, when you're far away from home, speaking maybe most of your time to people that aren't the language you grew up in. You might miss some of the folks back home occasionally. You know, a little note, a little card, a little box can do wonders. So if that's the kind of thing that says, that touches your heart, we'd like to uh, help you do that. If going to somewhere far away is something that really appeals to you, how can we help? We've we've done quite a few trips to Mexico uh, in the past. That is likely to continue. If that sounds exciting, building houses, you know, that's actually something that's pretty doable. Hanging out with kids, maybe that's what you like to do. We can help you with that too. Uh, there's also, uh, loving I mentioned, uh, most of the churches in the area have a Love, Inc. rep. That's someone from the church who helps connect needs of loving clients with availability of the church. That's a great way to get connected, to say, you know what, I know just who can help you fix that car. Let me give them a call. Uh, in four weeks, as Dave mentioned, we're kind of circling through this. We will uh, talk about this some more and give even more opportunities for you to get involved. Why? Well, yeah, God says this is something we should do. But as a bonus, we're kind of wired to serve. Uh, it may not feel like it at times. Maybe that's because it's got to get over a little bump before it's something you're comfortable doing. Sometimes you're not quite doing the right thing. Try it out. Sometimes it's uh, a few trials before you uh, get what you want. But it is a blessing that uh, we, we uh, feel everyone gets to participate in sharing the good news. That's, that's a great job and God has allowed us to be part of that. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's praying, maybe it's sending, maybe it's helping teach people, maybe it's going and, and learning what it's like, that kind of stuff. So there's a few people on the GO team. I'd like the GO team to stand up now. It's a fewer fewer set of folks. I'm going to be standing around uh, at the end, in the back, in the corners, whatever. Uh, if this is at all of interest to you, come by. That only signs you up for talking. You can give you a call during the week, things like that. Um, if you're interested in just picking up one of these little uh, flyers, uh, this has got some info, and we'll put some more on the back, of things you can do, like Samaritan's Purse, the little gift card. Uh, hey, we bought this for you. Yeah, God, have a seat. We bought this for you instead of a Christmas gift that you'll throw away because it's the wrong color. Maybe the ghost's the right color. Things like that. Come talk to us. If you got questions, please uh, please ask. All right. Uh, in the midst of that, children, welcome. We, we brought you back for a, a short thing. We have a little surprise, so we want you guys to be in here for that. Everyone loves surprises, even kids. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things about, um, about Neighborhood Bible Church that we've tried to be really passionate about is this. Um, rather than, let, rather than, than, than perpetuate the idea that a few leaders... Um, are, are, are going to come up with and hear from God on every last nuanced topic about how God's moving in this community. How can we, as leaders, as shepherds, how can we foster a community that says we really are what the Bible terms the priesthood of all believers, that we really are all in direct contact with God and that we've been, been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and that God might raise up someone in this room for a mission, for a work, for a ministry that I wouldn't dream up in a million years. So, um, 
It's always exciting when God begins to move in that. It's a little scary sometimes because guess what? The other way, the leaders get to control it and say, these are the ministries we'll do, and we said it, doggone it. And I'm not harping on that kind of leadership. I'm just saying God's been challenging us and calling us to say, let's let things come up from kind of the grassroots. I was approached a little while ago, um, I don't know, over a month ago now, about um, from a from a, a person in our congregation that, that felt God calling them to do something and wanted to get some input on it. And what I loved about it is as I was discussing this idea with this person, it sounded harebrained and ludicrous, and those are the kinds I love. They get me excited about things. And what kept popping in my mind was this. This idea from Hebrews 10, let me just read it for you. It says, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Remember what we've been talking about? Love God, love other people, and share good deeds. How can we spur one another on to love and good deeds? And as this person was sharing this idea, I'm just letting it kind of roll through my brain. And I thought, man, this is really, really cool. As I read this verse again that I had read earlier from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, sometimes I think what happens is we get this idea in our minds. What can I do? What can I do? 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Let each one, or each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Right now, you are going to receive an envelope. And if I can get uh, Carol in the back right now to start handing out envelopes, that would be excellent. And while you're receiving this envelope, you have one instruction, that is to receive it and not to open it. You just need to hold it in your hand for a moment. And while they are passing it out, I'm going to try and find the book of Matthew. Here it is. It hasn't moved. Just listen. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents came also. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent uh, came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. Amen, says the former bank teller. So that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. 
Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a story told by Jesus that applies to today. I want you right now, everyone have an envelope? Okay, keep going with the envelopes. What I want you to do right now is I want you to open up your envelope. What we've been talking about What we've been talking about is this. Taking Don't read the flyer that's in there. That's for that's for at home. Eyes up here. Taking what God has given to us. God-given gifts to perpetuate to create God-directed praise. That's what we're talking about this morning. And if the question came across your mind, what can I do? I don't have something to give. One of the things we want is this. Some of you will never go join the GO team. You will never go strategize about world missions. Even if you see it laid out and you go, there's a lot of work to be done. Someone should do something. But you'll never go do it. You'll never go talk to someone on that team. What we wanted to do was give access last week to a community group and remove every obstacle possible so it got you in the game. When this idea came from this person in our body that said, wouldn't this get people in the game of sharing if they were just given a tangible gift right on the spot? And they were now forced with a choice of how they were going to steward that gift. There's a few observations I want to make about this. If we've done this right, everyone should be holding some amount of money in your hand right now. And already I can see some wheels are going. Here's a couple of observations for you. One is this. This was not money taken out of the budget. We didn't take this from the offering. This was donated for this specific purpose. And so we released this person to do what God had instructed them to do, and we passed it on. And some are saying, yeah, but someone could take that money. Guess what? It's not in your control. And this person is choosing to do this. Third graders, all the way through adults, are being included in this. Because we absolutely believe that children are created in God's image. And we absolutely believe that children will creatively participate this in a really good way. Here's another observation. If you were to start to compare, you'd realize that some of you have one amount, others of you have a different amount. How many of you had any say in the amount that you were given? None of you. Ha! That's how it is with God. He just parcels it out. And we might look at it and say, I'm way more trustworthy than that person. Too bad. You're not in charge of it. You, all you can do is just receive the gift and be faithful with what you have been given. 
Now, there are some hard and fast rules to this game that you have now been forced into playing. Okay, Here's the rules very quickly. You cannot give this back to the church. That's a rule. We're going to pray for and receive an offering in about one song. You are, you are not allowed to take the money and put it back in the offering. That's a, that's a hard and fast rule. Here's the second rule. You cannot use this money to serve yourself or your immediate family. In the spirit of this verse that says, take what God's given to you and serve others. This isn't a government debt reduction program. This isn't Taco Bell fund. This is certainly not Starbucks fund, right? So you can't serve yourself or your immediate family. So we already thought ahead. You can't go to your brother and say, hey, I'll give you mine if you give me yours. That's immediate family. You can't do that. Here's a third rule. These are hard and fast rules. It must be Christ honoring. Now, that's a weird rule because how do we monitor that? By the way, there will be no judges in this game except God. Mark 9 seems to indicate that even a cup of cold water and handing out a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus is Christ-honoring. So what I don't mean by this is that as you think up and dream up how you're going to use this money to bless someone, that you need to preach a sermon. But I do know that we can walk out of this door and surmise what is Christ-honoring and what isn't. There are certain things I could take my money on a daily basis and give to, and it wouldn't be furthering the kingdom. I wouldn't be helping usher in God's kingdom in any way, shape, or form. That's not Christ-honoring. In some way, shape, or form, we want you to use this in a Christ-honoring way. Perhaps with most of us, it will be with our lips in some small way. Here's some guidelines. These are not required, but they're strongly suggested. We clear on that? Not required, but strongly suggested. Here they are. One is that we would love to have you report back what happened. Just a simple email. In fact, what I think we'll do on our website is anonymously, we're not going to hear back who wrote it, but we're just going to anonymously start to post some of the things that God did in the giver and in the receiver. And my hunch is that God's given us some creative and and thoughtful abilities that we're going to hear some amazing stories back about how our neighborhood was blessed through this. So we would love for you to take a little bit of time and just jot a quick email back to here's what happened. Here's how God used this. Here's the second guideline. No cash. It'd be fairly easy to take this and hand the cash right over right away to someone, right? Not a requirement, so you can do that. But we'd strongly encourage you to think a little bit more outside the box than that. It's true, actually, that one of the easiest things we can do is to hand a bill to someone. We sing this song, God of Justice, and it says, I will stand beside the broken. You know what God's forced me to do? He's forced me because of my relatively meager pocketbook to sit with someone begging for money and engage with them in conversation and friendship and looking in the eye rather than hand them a 20. You know what would be easier? Handing them the 20 and walking right in and getting on with it. And maybe even take the cash, dream a little. Here's the third one, guideline. Be spirit-led. And here's my only instruction with that. God is not a copier. God is a creator. And so just just in your own quiet time, you say, God, what do you want me to do with this? This is so unexpected. This is so cool. If I had known this was coming, I'd already feel tempted to like, 
I don't know if I want to give this back to you. It's not even yours. God just gave it to you. So God, what do you want to do with it? Community groups, come together. Pool the money. Listen to your kids. I'm convinced our kids are going to have some of the best ideas with this. Be creative. Be spirit-led in how this goes down. Here's one of the big ideas with this is that where we, where, where can we be the church collectively? It's here. It's on a missions trip. It's on some big ticket items. But on a daily basis, you individually get to be the church where I would never be invited in. Where this large group of people showing up at your kid's soccer game would be freaky. And people would run from them. But you get to show up at your kid's soccer game week in and week out and be the church of Jesus Christ right there in that spot, in that moment. I want to invite the band up right now. And um, kids, you are invited right now to do one of two things. Listen up. You may take your envelope and go find mom and dad and say, Mom and dad, you don't get to keep it. It's still mine, but you hold on to it for me. Okay? Or you can... Tuck it in your pocket really far in and go straight back to class. Mrs. Carlson is going to help you achieve those two goals. Go. You can give that to your mom. As the band's just getting set up, let me just read this verse. Jesus said this, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and praise God. That's the spirit and heart behind this. Is that God would see what you do with this. And this is just a tiny tip of the iceberg. But the people would see this and it would translate into praise. God-given praise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being in charge of our clocks and watches. And we're over time right now, God, but I think you're okay with that. I thank you for each person that you drew to church today on this Sunday. And God, I pray that as we sing right now, as we continue in worship with offering, as we collectively be the church in a way that we can't possibly be on our own, I pray that even now you would begin to mull over in our hearts and minds and solidify lessons and ideals and actions that need to come of hearing your word. So we're not like James says, ones who hear the word and deceive ourselves and don't go and do anything about it. God, By design, you've allowed people into this room this morning that now leave with a certain responsibility. What a powerful reminder that is that each week that we come and gather and celebrate your your death, burial, and resurrection, the mysteries of the gospel, as 1 Peter says, that we're stewards of that. God, we have that responsibility every single Sunday, but we don't feel forced into the game. We don't even know it sometimes. Forgive us, Lord. Father, with each and every story that comes back, both the person that dreamt this up, the church that put this together, none of them will receive the praise and glory. It will solely go to you and your creative spirit that's in work at work even now as we're sitting here. And that's what we're going to do right now with our praise and with our lips and with the, the money that we've come prepared to offer. We love you, Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.